How does a nurse from Pennsylvania come to lead the women's ministries at one of the largest churches in the world? The role of seminary training for a women's pastor. Empowering a team to write curriculum and teach the Bible. The value of reading the Bible and making your own observations and is Craig a commentary hater? In this episode of The Teaching Pastor, we have a conversation with Beth Schwartz, women's pastor at Saddleback Church in Lake Forest, California. Hey everybody, welcome to The Teaching Pastor podcast. This is Craig Hill and we are in what has been called the Holy of Holies uh, with Beth Schwartz. Beth, how are you today? I am so good. I'm so excited to be on this podcast with you, my professor. Yeah, well, hey, that's, you know, right now, that's what what happens here stays good. here. Yeah, <laughs> uh, that's great. Now, what, what do you do here at Saddleback Church, Beth? Yeah, so for two and a half years, I've been the women's pastor here. And so I serve on our team that really looks, as you know, we would be a purpose-driven church. Um, the model. I've heard that before. I don't know where that is, but <laughs> yeah, it's ringing a bell. And so we, we have five purposes um, within our, our organization. And so we sit currently on the small groups membership team. So not only do I care for our women, um, but also for our groups and okay. what we're doing with small groups. Okay, great. Well, I should start by just saying fly, eagles, fly. Yes, you should. Because, because you are a proud daughter of the state of Pennsylvania. Absolutely. And so, so how, and, and the eagles have just won. Yep. And, uh. And that and it was awesome. And I'm not a big Patriots fan, so okay. apologies to all Patriots fans out there, but I'm glad they didn't win. But I'm happy for you, Beth. Um, how does a nurse from Pennsylvania come to oversee the women's ministries at one of the largest churches in North America? You know, it's absolutely insane. So I feel like I'm going to be like your anomaly here. I, I feel like, you know, you probably um, work with and interview many scholars and people who have been um, teaching the word for years. But, you know, honestly... Beth, Beth stop right there. Okay. Because you are a scholar. Okay. You are being trained in seminary. That is true. Okay. So let's let's just get that okay. straight. Okay. No anomaly. All right. You belong on the podcast. Thank you. All right. So keep going. Absolutely. So <laughs> I think as, as a woman, I'm really going to start there. Um, Dr. Hill, because as a woman growing up in a conservative community um, in the East Coast, we didn't see many women teaching from the pulpit. Mm -hmm. We didn't have role models that encouraged us to see ourselves as pastoral roles. Mm -hmm. And so at 19, when I felt the call of the Lord in my life, growing up in a pastor's home and seeing that I just, all I knew was I loved Jesus. And I didn't have... Um, that typical desire of college and where was I going to go with my life? I just knew I wanted to serve him and yeah. I loved him. Led me to a career which I believe was the only career I could see myself in was nursing. I could use my compassion, my care, my shepherding um, in a hands-on medical field. And so I did that for 19 years, but I knew God had prepared vocational ministry for me. Mm. But I had to lay that down as I became a wife and a mother. And, and so I did a lot of volunteer work and things like that. But truly, it was the Lord that told me, you know, I am one degree. I separate you, separate you from one person by one degree. And honestly, that's what happens. Our friends moved out here to Saddleback, took a position on the group's team, and saw the, the new thing Saddleback's trying to do with women. And they um, facilitated conversations, and the Lord literally did it. That's awesome. He did it. That's a great story. So it was literally just one person, one connection, 
And the next thing you know, you and your family are on a plane or in a car or whatever you're doing in a semi driving out here and setting up shop. So how long have you been here? So two and a half years in this role. Okay. Yep. What has surprised you the most about coming out here? I mean, you had mentioned that you had been involved in, a, in a house church movements growing up. This is like the farthest removed from a house church movement as you can get. I guess it kind of re goes back into the home groups, but what has surprised you the most coming out here? Yeah. I think beyond that we have eternal summer, um, which I absolutely adore, no more shoveling snow anymore. Um, I think for me, uh, when you grow up in a small community and in a small home church, um, you think of churches only one way. And so I think when I came out here, what I have loved is that our pastors, Rick and Kay, due to the loss of their son from suicide, due to some of the things that have happened, they have stepped into some real new space around mental health, around missions, rethinking that every member is a minister. And so I think for me, wrestling with the mega church and then seeing what good models and things can come out of a large team of people. I think that really surprised me. And yeah, I still struggle with balancing all of that, but I do think that I have learned so much about a large congregation. Yeah, it's funny because I was up, um, I went to the wrong place (laughs) because the offices are not connected to the campus. Right. But I was told, it would be better for me if I got in my car to drive to the offices, you know, as I'm walking around the church campus. It's better better for you if you actually get in your car and drive. But anyway, that's that's great. Okay, so um, where in this in this ministry, since the, the podcast is about teaching, it's yeah. about getting from passage to message, where are you um, teaching the Bible on a regular basis here at Saddleback? Absolutely. And so really, obviously, as the women's pastor, I'm primarily speaking to large groups of women. But what has happened out of this is that we have de- we have decided to reshape men's and women's ministries to make it more of a model that is going alongside of the church's vision. And so it's not creating our own little kingdoms. It's actually calling men and women to the discipleship project. Uh, process here at Saddleback. And so that has afforded me other opportunities. I just was um, our college ministries guest speaker for a retreat. Other churches now are asking us to come and help launch their new men's and women. So I'm, I'm branching out into teaching the word and helping encourage churches to disciple men and women. Yeah. So what are, what are some of the venues where you might stand up and and do some teaching yeah so we have for the women's side of things we've created three events a year they're called pray love lead we want our women to be women of prayer who love well and lead strong and so we've created these events where there's all girls from 12 years old to 100 that gather three times a year and we have all of our 19 campuses doing that at the same time. So we're one big sisterhood together. And then obviously I teach in our Bible studies. um, uh, And as well, now we have um, smaller opportunities. When you think about a mega church, we have one one teaching voice primarily, sure. and that's Pastor Rick Warren. Right. And so amongst all of our campuses, um, even our campus pastors do not preach per se. They're creating, um, they're using the word in other ways than giving the right. big message. And so that's at nights of worship, when we have communion moments and other things like that. They're smaller, more um, intimate mm-hmm. gatherings that we're kind of in charge of. Mm-hmm. Okay. And obviously in, I'm teaching in our membership class. Okay. We have a huge... Uh, 
push towards getting our members through our class process to be able to help them understand how to grow deeper with the Lord. Yeah. So with um, so I would imagine that a lot of what you do um, centers around uh, the team that you work with. Yeah. Um, and maybe some of that centers also around choosing curriculum. Mm-hmm. Um, so how? tell me about team and tell me about how you come to why you're going to teach about a certain thing or go through a certain curriculum. Like, Absolutely. what are you guys doing now? Yep. So right now we are doing Emotionally Healthy Spirituality by Pete and Jerry Scazzaro out of New York. He um, realized that he was trying to do all of these things. He's a pastor to make his people... Um, be better people in general. So to look at the iceberg beneath their Mm. surface, they see we clean up the 10% at church, but then the rest of the week we're yelling at the grocery store clerk. We're yelling at our children. We're not facing some of the things from our past. And so I really believed that we do a lot of, of, um, holistic teaching here. We have the Daniel plan for physical mm-hmm. activity. Um, we have a lot around mental health, but really we weren't focusing on emotional health and okay. well-being. And um, felt I was seeing a lot of ladies who are just grouchy. Mm-hmm. They've been here 20 years, and they want another Bible South, study. South Orange County ladies that are grouchy. I don't know. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> You've never seen it. I've never seen that before. Uh, well, I do in my world. <laughs> and so anyway. Where it all starts, I I have to be so honest with you, is it starts with my core team. I have a core team of 12 volunteers. So we have 1,200 women in studies right now, just on campus small groups, Mm -hmm. not the thousands out in homes. We, as a team, start everything with prayer. When we're moving into a semester, uh, the prayer team leads and goes before me. I surround myself with people that are stronger, smarter, um, talented than I am. And so they, we lead out with prayer and we begin to sense what is he doing. And, and Dr. Hill, I, I have begun to realize that um, it's going to have to start in me before I can give anything to our people. Hmm. And so I'm the one doing some deep healing emotionally to be the best leader that I can be. Hmm. I am listening to the Lord and what he's teaching me. And so I will always walk with a limp hmm. and I will always stay attached to him because that's how I'm going to hear where he wants us to go. Oh, that's good. That's good. I mean, doing that kind of internal work in a team environment, yeah. that is, uh, I mean, you're like, that's Brene Brown's, like, totally. you know, that's her, like, that's her, that's her sauce right there, you know, the, the vulnerability. So, um, so let's say, so when are you, when are you sitting with the group, whether ladies or, or men or mixed company or whatever, and you are either going through discussion questions or working through a passage or something like that? When was, when is kind of that that time or that moment for you uh, in this position? Yeah, so we, um, as I said, we have on-campus small groups. And just this morning, actually, I was up. I, I haven't sat at a table um, and gone through any of our curriculum, per se, as a leader. And um, because, honestly, I don't see myself as a women's pastor. Um, first, I just was like, I don't know that I really am shaped for this position because I don't do crafts and I don't like teas and all that kind of stuff. And so I don't do crafts. I don't. I left my popsicle sticks uh, at I home. I just don't. But yeah. I'm like, but if you're talking about mobilizing an army of women yeah. to change Orange County. Well, there, there's no popsicle sticks there. No. No. And I'm like, I'll sign up for that, right? <laughs> and so I don't normally do women's ministry, even though I'm the pastor. So I, I because I am so 
like Rick always tells us, ride the wave the spirit is moving. Don't create your own thing. Where is he? And ride it. And I feel like because of, for example, this moment in time that we're digging into emotional healing, um, I have the chance to lead this little table of women and I'm watching as they turn to silence and solitude instead of doing an activity. God is changing us in ways that I've never seen. And so I'm getting a little taste of, of um, what it's like to go through this content with a group of staff. Yeah, yeah. So, so when you, um, so tell me a little bit about, you've been at Fuller, you've been, you're in seminary, um, you're a scholar, and a, a burgeoning one, uh, you know, getting, getting your feet. Um, how has that, how has seminary training played into your role here? Yes, absolutely. So the first courses, we, we, I'm taking them in a certain order that Saddleback actually wants me to. Okay. So we, we, they have a process of how, how as someone coming in right into a pastoral role without having formalized training, my mm-hmm. master's is in nursing, which is interesting. So many of the courses of pastoral care really mm. go together well. Mm. Um, but they, but I've started with actually your class. One of the ones that I was starting with was the biblical interpretation. And um, really that class is what started me um, being able to feel equipped to even start slicing and dicing the scripture myself. I felt when I first came, my way of interpreting was reading all the commentaries. Okay. I did. I'm just being really honest. I was like, okay, well, let's see what he's saying. Let's see. Yeah. And, and of course, in that class, I basically said, someone actually called me a commentary hater. Yes. Yeah. Totally. <laughs> totally. <laughs> but you know what, Dr. Hill? I think it's like, especially for a woman, and I really believe this. I'm speaking mm. on a lot, behalf of a lot of women. We don't realize that we have the authority to do that. Like, I almost felt like when you were teaching us that originally and even now in New Testament, like, I still find myself defaulting to others that I don't have the confidence Mm. to believe that I can do this. Mm. And I'm even in a pastoral role. Mm. And so I think when when you, one of the tools that you guys in your first class, they got us to look at the uh, stepbible.org, one Mm -hmm. of the, the softwares. And I have returned turn to that time and time again because I haven't taken the languages and I don't think I can with being a mother and having a second master's and full-time role here I don't think I'm doing the MDiv I'm doing the MAT Um, I have begun to realize that no I have the Holy Spirit within me I can seek him and come to um, my own understandings, yeah. ask the questions, make you your tell own us observations, ask, make our own observations, right? right. And that that's mine to do, yeah. and that's okay. Yeah, absolutely. So I feel like I'm probably starting at ground zero when you probably talk to people who are well beyond that. But mm. honestly, I just needed to hear that. Mm. I wonder how many other um, women who might listen to this would be in that same spot of like, hey, look, give me a commentary and I can spit back out what other people have said. But the idea of actually engaging scripture, the idea of sitting down, making your own observations, there is, there's a richness there that you just can't, you just can't, you know, photocopy that, you know, you just can't re-spit that out. That's where you actually encounter the spirit and the word, and then you bring that out. So has there been a spot where you feel like you've been able to really like lean into that process where you're reading and you're making observations and then you're bringing that out to your, to your folks? Yeah, absolutely. 
So we have um, been settling in over the last, I would say, six to eight months, um, really understanding what Christ has come to do for us. And so, and then out of that, how are we reconciled? How are we restoring? How are we increasing our revelation of him? And so we've, we've landed in um, Isaiah 60 and, and learning about who he, all right, 61, 60, where Jesus is telling us, he has this he is the servant of the lord oh, yeah. he is proclaiming the good news and that we will also release the captives mm. bring freedom where there is bondage and i feel like so many women that i see mm. are held in bondage and they're walking around they're living the life in mm. orange county mm. but they're not free they're not free they're slaves boy you know it's i was um I was just reading in Mark, and I know you were just alluding to. I think it was is Luke four, right? When Correct. Jesus goes into Correct. the synagogue and um, he starts reading from Isaiah sixty one, and he says, "It's oh, you're you're in the ballpark. You know that's good. Thank you know, you. I like in Hebrews where it says somewhere it says you know. know, but um, I was just reading in Mark chapter five about the um, the story of the man of the tombs and how here's this man kind of away from the city, free, and he's so strong that nobody can hold him down, but his freedom has not released any shackles. Yes. It's just broken chains. And now, so he's, he's running down with all these chains yes. on him and he's just so, but I think that's such an interesting image. Like no one can hold me down, yeah. but I still am just rattling all these chains around. And, um, yeah, I just think that's a, it's such an interesting, um, idea. And so, so you're feeling, you're, you're seeing this idea. Who is Jesus? Yeah. What is he saying? And um, and you're you're bringing that to um, to not only the ladies but um, the men on this team, and um, yeah. that's a what a great what a great thing. So, what has surprised you about um, whether it's your seminary training or get or into a text like a Luke um, chapter four, where Jesus's self identity is is being um, proclaimed? Like, what are some of the things that are surprising you as you're engaging the Bible? Yeah, and so it ties beautifully into what I've really learned in some of our vocational formation classes. Um, evangelicalism is notorious for the amount of work and activity that we produce for God. I alluded to that earlier. And um, at Fuller, we place a high value on silence and solitude, lamenting some of the, looking at the monastic teachings, looking at the contemplative life. and. That literally is a pretty new conversation and um, mm. something new for me in the last year. And Fuller really helped introduce me to those components of spirituality because I have always been all about the work for instead of being with. Mm. And so who doesn't want to be with a Jesus like we just described in Luke? And, and who doesn't want to... Um, become freer from things of this world and from our past. And so for me, I've been really approaching ministry as, no, I'm going to keep my Sabbath. Mm -hmm. I'm going to protect that with my life. I am going to lead out of my marriage and my children, um, my relationship with them. And I'm going to live more of a contemplative lifestyle. Um, Pete Scazzaro says, paying attention to anger, sadness, and fear. Looking mm. at what are those things that that you are re highly reactive to. And and then how are maybe you numbing things? How, I, I've gone through our 12-step program here, Celebrate Recovery, um, for healing from anger and, and things like that that were modeled in my home. And so I think that overarching new way of being instead of doing to 
to receive my salvation, so to speak, or to receive that and just resting in how much he loves me. Mm. I think all of those practices that I learned in our last class and now through Mm. this work are changing, are literally changing my life. And I want to bring that to our congregants here. Yeah. What are some resources that you might, if someone were to ask you, like, how can I engage in a more contemplative style of either ministry or just being what would be some resources that you might encourage someone to to pick up? Absolutely. So I'm really reading anything that I can from Henry Nouwen. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, everyone knows that. I think I am, he's very new to me. I okay. He's not someone that was ever um, in my evangelical upbringing. Um, definitely learning and every re- every class there seems to be some reference to him at fuller and and being able to to dive into his work um but in this last season as i said um the emotionally healthy leader is an amazing mm. book that helps pastors look at what are the things that lead to such our high burnover rates moral failures yeah. other things that are limiting our ministry and it all comes back to are you spending time in silence and solitude hmm. nice and back to the contemplative um ways yeah so those are my two right out of the gate that i would say they're new to me mm-hmm. and they're actually transforming my whole leadership style. Yeah. And in fact, Dr. Hill, I would, I would just be really honest to tell you, I did a 360 evaluation on myself here mm. with my 12 volunteers that lead me, that I lead. And I found some things that I, I weren't shocking, um, <laughs> but Beth, you push us hard. You mm. always have big, your big vision is hard to keep up with. You're, can be disorganized and chaotic. And so (laughs) out of that, my coach took me to this book. Well, why am I performing? What is that constant need of being seen and driving? And, um, and I really want to go a different way, especially in the mega church. Yeah. Because this, this, we breed high performers and achievers. Yeah. yeah. And if you show that, if you show that side, mm-hmm. that there could be a, a place where that gets nurtured and brought, and then all of a sudden you have this, you know, this unstoppable force that is already cl- craving to be unstoppable, right? It is. So, so that's the emotionally healthy leader, leader. by um, Pete Scazzaro. Yeah, we'll put that in the show notes as well as um, some links to now and, um, I mean, my favorite now and book, yeah. I think, is. Um, the um, uh, the prodigal the the, the prodigal son mm. his reflection on the prodigal son where he he sits in the Hermitage Museum and he looks at this huge painting mm. of um, Rembrandt's right. the the Return of the Prodigal Son and um, but it's it's not because it's not only a great reflection but it's a really interesting um, exegesis and interpretation of that parable mm. of the parable of the prodigal son and it's been uh, it really that is one of the crossover one of the big crossovers of now and all you know there's obviously um, uh, the way of the heart is probably yeah. a good, a good starting point too. And um, yeah, so yeah, it was funny uh, when I was a pastor. I was talking with an, you don't usually hear in a Protestant church like, hey, you should read this Roman Catholic priest. No, never. Yeah. And I remember one of the elders in um, in the church I was working at. He was encouraged to read um, this book, and he he described. He said, he said it was the goofiest book I'd ever read. And I'm like, goofy, like. I don't know how you even came up with that adjective, but it's it's as far from goofy as you could get. It's, I mean, it's, it's thoughtful. It's about the desert fathers and it's about the, the contemplative tradition. So, well, what a great, I mean, how, that is such a great 
season of life. It sounds like a season of a lot of change yeah. for you. Yeah, it is. Yeah. The kids say we have a different mom. <laughs> you um, and and it's changed my marriage. It's changed our we how I lead my team and how we look at what God is doing. I don't want to just do anything that is just gonna burn like I want to be doing what he wants me to do yeah and that takes listening and out of that overflow of my heart Mm -hmm. is what I can give the women yeah yeah and the men yeah now when you were when you're thinking about you're working off of this um, more contemplative curriculum now what were you doing before that so um, at, at a mega church, oftentimes two times a year we do a church-wide campaign. Okay. And so that helps give direction that we are all running together in the same vein. So mm-hmm. we had completed one of our 40 days of prayer curriculums okay. as a team, women, men, whoever. Um, but before that, when I came, there were often Beth Moore oh, yeah. um, studies mm-hmm. were the only thing going. And, and honestly, I think it goes back to... There, she is one woman who's writing and ripping apart the scripture, and then we all think we either need to be like her or study her Mm -hmm. instead of thinking that we can do our own curriculum. So, we did take a stab last year at Mm. writing our own curriculum, good one of our leaders, um, and it was wonderful about the parables of Jesus. And so, I have challenged our team that we we have talented writers, and I and, and this is the thing. Dr. Hill, I really believe this, um, that women have so much that, that the Lord's doing in them right now mm. that they just need an, a way to express it. Mm. And they may not be the senior pastor or be able to have my role or teach there um, on the platform, but they are writing for us. They are creating new curriculum and yeah. things. And so I just want to create opportunities for women to use those gifts. Yeah. You know, at the, the last church that I was a pastor at, one of my duties was to kind of oversee the people that were running the women's ministry. And what I realized was that um, there were more women in our church yeah. that were teaching yeah. than wow. there were men. Wow. That you had you had the senior pastor sure. and the teaching pastor and they're they're teach they're doing the bulk of the teaching. And in the men's ministry it's like curriculum, whatnot. Yeah. But the the women's ministry, they might have a Beth Moore video or something like that, but they also might just go through the book of Matthew or something and they would go on a rotation and there would be this teaching team and there would be like six or seven women that would take a crack at this and it was it was dawning on me like well where's the training like where's the where's the where's the empowerment to do this well yeah. um, and you think and i do think that this this idea of um uh of, of finding not only um finding a voice but finding your voice yes. and your style and yeah. your secret sauce uh that's something that i think is um and seminary is a place where that can happen, but that's something that, um, that if we can make some space for that. Yes. So where was, how did some of that stuff turn out with the parables? And um, was there anything that, that stood out to you with that curriculum and the creative women that you had writing it? Yeah, I think that, um, you know, this, like you said, this, this woman who led the charge on that, she had been teaching other people's curriculum for years. Mm-hmm. And um, when I just looked at her and I said, you know, I see God has given you a voice and a uniqueness and we'd like to hear from you. Um, she, the spirit of God mm-hmm. fell on her and she took such, I think, Again, women, were, women, men, we're going to look at things differently. And I saw the parables through her eyes mm. as a female biblical teacher. Mm. And the way she, the, just the viewpoint of Jesus is 
different than maybe I would have heard from a man before. Mm. Or um, she touched on, um, yeah, things that that mothers would face Mm. and parents. And so I think there's just something about having both voices at the table, Mm -hmm. you know, something about the looking through the lens, uh, through the eyes of a woman and a man. And so, you know, I said to my husband this morning, I said, Scott, when we die, I'm going to pray that we can set up a fund for women seminaries, women in seminary, Mm -hmm. because, you know, I'm looking at maybe having to stop in two classes because of the cost. And uh, honestly, and and I hear you, right? Higher ed is expensive. Right. But I feel that um, it's so important that women can get this formal training Mm -hmm. Um, but there have factors working against them. Yeah. They're, they are most times helping the ch- with the children more. And so things like that. So um, I, I feel my time on earth is to help other women yeah. get into the pastor. Yeah. Well, even like you were saying that the language is like, am I really going to be the person with flashcards, you know, at home flipping through these flashcards when, you know, I, I'm also coming home. I'm helping the kids with homework. I'm helping. Uh, I'm putting, you know. I mean, I, I like to cook, but you know, sure. so th- there's sure. plenty of different uh, things that are, that are calling out for your attention. The least of which are Greek verbs, you know, no. or, or participles or things like that. But at the same time, there are great. Like Fuller has shifted from the full track of, of Greek and Hebrew yes. to Hebrew tools, where you yes. learn the software. And I think that's a good movement, especially for maybe those who are not going to um, go into a more academic area. But they are going to be um, uh, engaging the word. Yes. Um, yeah, it's kind of like, you know, do you use a calculator or do you do it on a napkin or whatever? Yes. It's like, well, is it, is it any worse to use a calculator? Well, probably not. I mean, that was the analogy that Joel Green shared mm-hmm. with me. So, um, and, that, and I think that's, that's a good thing. I do think it would be interesting for those pastors that are listening to this is to actually think about um, in your own church, what is the ratio? How many men are doing teaching and how many women are doing teaching? And are they being equipped to do it well and excellently? And I do think that um, what, whatever your view is, whether you're more egalitarian or more complementarian, sure. to think about the idea is are your women being equipped well to teach the word? Because they are teaching it and they will exactly. teach Exactly, yes. and they will. And they will. Yeah. And, and unless we all develop, unless we kind of all move to this kind of mixed sermon you know you preach off a curriculum teach off a curriculum and we just leave it we leave all the bible engagement to the to the curriculum writers sure and i think that that's one thing for me that uh i mean one of my things is look i i want to engage the scriptures and i want to bring that to people um i don't want to preach someone else's stuff i don't want to find someone else's observations yeah um i want to I want to get into the the pat because I think I think that there's something about getting into scripture that just that process of getting in and then presenting mm-hmm. if you're just preaching a curriculum you you short circuit that process 100%. And I think that there's something that's really valuable in that process that um, that can't be replicated mm-hmm. in that way. Yeah. So where have you kind of seen that where your your engagement with scripture is just producing a fruit that might not have come if you were just going off of a curriculum for you. Yeah. You know, it really was your class, the first one, that um, encouraged 
I had to do this work. And (laughs) I mean, it wasn't encouraged. I was like, I have to. Um, And I, like I said, after I got over the fact that can I really do this, um, I got to a place where I, I was like, oh, this is fun. Like this is, you're, you're, you miss the, you, as you said, you miss the process if I was just taking someone else's words. And so, and it then lets the word as you soak in it and linger in it, it then changes you. And so, you know, in starting in, in last year when we moved into this, this, this series for the women around being reconcilers and, and restorers and, and helping um, break chains and, and others, we really were, I was in Ephesians 1 where, and may the eyes of our hearts be enlightened. Mm. And I feel like that scripture, I can't get it out of my mind when mm. I go into this process and, and asking of the Lord, Lord, enlighten me, may mm. my heart understand. And, and it's taken me to new depths of, um, unpacking even subjects like light. I just Mm. spoke recently on light and darkness. And I, the study that you go in in that journey as you rip apart the words and you miss so much if you just read a commentary on it. What passages were you using for your light and darkness? Yeah, so we focused um, on Ephesians 5.14, Awake, O sleeper, rise from the dead. You know, And we, we took that into Jesus being the light of the world and where he is calling us to be a city set on a hill. Hmm. And so what is that darkness? What are blocking the light? Hmm. And it was it was it was a reflection mm. time on on all of that, and I feel like so many of us are walking around asleep. I mm. feel that we have been lulled to sleep by the things of this world and by by the evil one, and mm. um, so much of what we have have um, surrounded ourselves mm. with numb us, tune us out with next Netflix and. and too much wine or whatever it may be. Um, but when we bring it into the light, it's often less um, enormous, mm. less of a you know stronghold on our lives when we bring it mm. into the light with the Lord and with others, one other person in fellowship and mm. community. And so um, really by tearing apart all of who Jesus is as the mm. light and how we need the light, mm. um, I, I felt like that process really was my big mm. time of doing the work and not reading other people's mm. commentaries. That's a great that's a great tie-in from Ephesians 5, 5.13. When anything is exposed by the light, it becomes visible. Anything that becomes visible is light. Therefore, it says, yeah. and then it quotes, Awake, O sleeper, yeah. arise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. And back to that, back to that earlier in Ephesians, enlighten the eyes of my heart. You get this, I mean, that's a beautiful image of and I hadn't made that connection necessarily between those two passages, but the author of Ephesians is, is saying, Paul is saying, like, Christ will shine on you and it will enlighten your heart yeah. and your eyes will be open to that. Yeah. What, a, what a great, especially going into and being in kind of a contemplative season yes. where you are, are um, engaging in that. So that, um, those, are great, those are great observations to, uh, to tie into what's going on in my own life. So here are these passages and bringing it through my own life yeah. and and uh, the work that I'm doing in this internal world, which is vast and horrific yeah, at times. I know. <laughs> right? Yes. Oh, that's so good. That's so good. So um, where, where, what are you working on right now, Beth? Yeah. 
So we um, were in this curriculum. So my teaching is a little bit less right now okay. just because we have, this is actually, I brought these courses, they're actual courses to the table because I feel like we um, need this emotional discipleship this most you know it's a pathway mm-hmm. of right. discipleship um and so we'll be preparing next for um in may we have a large uh prayer gathering where all the women from all of our campuses we come together and we seek the lord for what is coming next okay. what is this year going to lead and and i always want to show our women that we lead with prayer mm. and um you know god's really um, as I said, in this contemplative season, I'm, I'm, I'm realizing how little I pray and how easy it is to do a checklist and not just have a conversation going all day. Mm-hmm. And so um, I'll be creating, um, seeking the Lord right now in, into what is on his heart mm-hmm. for the next year. Our, our series, our semesters kind of start in May. Okay. Um, and... I'm open. I yeah. want what he wants for us, but generally it starts out of what he's doing in me. So you know it's going to be prayer. Do you have any Completely. hunches about what else the next year holds? You know, I, I don't at this point. Um, we are completely immersed in in this emotionally healthy um, season. And so I, I have a feeling we may need to stay here even another semester. Hmm. We may even need to linger a little bit longer. This contemplative lifestyle is so not ingrained in our culture. Yeah, It's just not. Yeah, And um, I feel like I don't wanna rush this moment. I feel like the Lord is saying, teach our church to sit at my feet and listen. Hmm. And so, I'm not hearing anything else right now, and so I, um, I really feel we may linger here for a little while. Okay, okay. Well, that's um, if someone wanted to get involved yeah. with a women's group here at Saddleback, what steps might they take? The, the best way is to go to our website, website saddleback.com slash women, and we have all of our prayer gatherings, our on-campus small groups. We have a mentorship program we, we've really been piloting over the last year. And um, and then, you know, we have tons of support groups and other ways that women can get connected mm-hmm. as they see fit. That's great. And are the uh, courses that you're doing now, are they have they already started or can people jump in? So they have started right now. We are week two, but at the end of February, we are starting the Emotionally Healthy Relationship course hmm. on Wednesday nights here. And so whether you're single or married, it's a time to understand how are you unhealthy or healthy in your relationships with nice. the Lord and others. Nice. Well, we'll put some of those links in the show notes. And uh, But Beth, it is awesome to talk to you. It's awesome to hear how things are going. And it's um, it's just great to hear about this season of your life and ministry. And welcome to Southern California. Yes. I know I, <laughs> it's, it may be a little overdue, but um, coming out here, uh, like, I, like we were saying before, you never know how Southern California is going to receive all of its visitors. Right. And so um, it's great to have you here. Great to have you in class. And I'm so glad you could be on the podcast. Thank you for having me. It's been a pleasure. Hey, hope you enjoyed the conversation with Beth. She is at Saddleback Church's Mothership in Lake Forest. And there are links in the show notes to some of the resources we brought up in the episode. Things like Emotionally Healthy Spirituality, The Emotionally Healthy Leader. Um, She had mentioned the Step Bible, which is an online resource for Bible study. Um, 
Saddleback Church's women's ministry, as well as Rick Warren's resources for pastors at pastors.com. There's also a couple of links to some Henry Nowen books um, and a link to Fuller Theological Seminary. I also wanted to mention that Beth is starting and co-hosting a podcast called Off the Pulpit about being a leader in the church from the second or third chair position. So that's launching on February 28th. So be looking for that on iTunes and wherever you um, find your great podcasts like this one. Um, If you are enjoying this podcast as much as I am, if you're enjoying The Teaching Pastor, go to iTunes and do us a favor and leave a review. Click the stars and write a little something that'll help get our profile up. Um, Also, uh, you could go to our Patreon page at patreon.com backslash The Teaching Pastor and give uh, a buck a month or uh, a few bucks a month, and it'll help our production value. And um, yeah, just a great way to support what we're doing here. So I am Craig Hill, and this is the Teaching Pastor Podcast. Podcast.